January 15th, 2041. Hello, it's still me. I just wanted to let you know that I made it outside, and I'm still alive. Mr. Fuzzy Fuck left the area. Well, he did a lot more than that. I don't really feel like talking today. Going to head north. I'll fill you in later. Wish me safe travels. Good night, Survivor. January 17th, 2041. Hey there, book friend. I'm doing okay. Thanks for asking. Yeah, it's been a long week. Honestly, I'm not sure which I like less. Being hunted by a two-story invincible gluttonous monster. Or all the emotional bullshit. After everything I've been through, you'd think it would bother me less when people die. Especially people I didn't know. But it fucks with me. It really does. It's hard to describe, but people dying leaves me with a feeling of empty and hopeless. The worse their death, the worse I feel. Sometimes, all their screams play in my dreams, like a symphony of suffering. Gods. <laughs> These shit fucks don't deserve such a grand title. I see them for what they are. Parasites. Just another disease with a cure yet to be found. That's still what we're doing. Looking for the other side. I've heard stories over the years of a place up north where the air is said to bleed. I don't think that is meant literally. The red blood fucks are on a different continent as far as I'm aware. I mean, you never can be sure, but from the descriptions, it really didn't sound like their thing. It sounded more like an area where another reality or world was merging with ours. Clearly can't be sure, but this is the best lead I have right now. Also, people almost instinctually migrate south on this entire continent. Never met a person heading north, or could explain why. So, I figure I'm either onto something, or heading right into the territory of a class one continent fucker. I have to do something though, right? So what are my options? Go back and hide in a hole? Head south, and wait to die? I have an old paper map we scavenged from a gas station years ago. I can hardly believe the roads used to be full of metal vehicles you could just fill up with liquid and travel hundreds of miles a day. Almost laughable, considering I've been walking everywhere my whole life. Fuck. People used to have it good. If I've learned anything, 
It's don't complain about what you don't have. That shit will consume you. One foot in front of the other, the old-fashioned way, never fails, as long as you manage to keep your legs and feet, that is. Anyways, back to the map. If this was all accurate at the time of printing, it's hardly helpful now. Things have changed immensely from what's printed on these pages. I can do little more than estimate where I am and where I'm going. Basically, I'm just fucking wandering. Purposeful wandering. Pondering. Wait. No. That's already a word. Well, whatever. You get the fucking point. As best as I can tell, I'm somewhere in what used to be Midwest Oregon. And I'm heading to somewhere near northern Alaska, slash Canada. I have a pretty strong feeling that when I get closer to this anomaly, or whatever it is, I'll be able to feel it. I found a reasonably clean house to stay in for the night. Almost no mold, all walls intact, and the ceiling doesn't appear to be caving in. A good find indeed. The windows on the bottom level are broken, but the second floor is fine. I even found a usable mattress. Guess after all the bullshit, I get a bone thrown my way. I took some junk and furniture from the upstairs bedrooms and blocked the stairwell behind me. I pre-planned exits from three different windows on the upper level, made sure the landings were clear of anything that could hurt me in case I needed to jump. I also dragged two mattresses from the bottom floor outside to the escape areas to soften my landing. The third jump spot had elevated ground so assistance was unneeded. I'll explain my logic to whichever would-be survivor has found this journal in the event of my inevitable and likely death. Unless I get eaten, in which case, whatever monster I'm in, FUCK YOU! But if you have found this, take care of it. It's not just a journal or a book. It's my friend, and my thoughts. It's me, in a way that will hopefully live on when the day comes that I'm no longer a survivor. And try to treat others with kindness when you can. I know it's hard out here, but that's all the more reason. Anyway, back to my sleep strategy. Obviously... Throwing a bunch of shit in the stairwell won't stop a hungry god. But it will slow down any would-be marauding survivors who may mean you ill will. At least enough for you to wake up and have a chance to defend yourself. Now, the pre-planned escape routes are more for the hungry god scenario. If one finds you, it will more than likely just start rampaging into the house. Hopefully, you survive the initial breach and have your wits about you enough to get moving. 
I also recommend keeping anything packed you're not using and would like to keep. Losing all your shit is never fun. So, an immortal starts trampling through the north side of the house you're sleeping in. Jump out the south side window and run like the fuck. With any luck, while the ugly fuckstick smashes the house apart looking for its snack, that's you. You will be running in the opposite direction and hiding somewhere. This brings me to my next point. Always pre-plan. People who have no plans die. People with only one plan die. People with a shitload of plans will probably still die. But likely not before the people with no plans and one plan. I like to sleep somewhere centralized between my escape routes when possible. Cover any windows that a potential fuck could see into. I sometimes like to write out a little fuck off on one of the window coverings for luck. Who knows when a good old fuck off will detour a would-be murderer. Anything is possible beneath the quilted sky. But the main point is to find small things to entertain yourself. If you're a survivor, it's practically an inevitability that you will end up on your own. Solitude does not suit the mental dude. That's your brain. Or mind. Are those different? I always wonder if my awareness is in my head because that's where my brain is. Or if it just seems that way because my eyes are sending sensory data to my brain. If I was born unable to see or hear, let's say smell as well for the sake of it, would my thoughts still feel like they were coming from my head? Maybe they come from the soul, which I'm pretty sure is more in the chest region. Who knows? Enough ramblings for one night. Time to get some rest. It's been a long two days of walking, with many more to go. We'll talk about what happened when I left the sewer tomorrow. I wanted to spend tonight being positive. Good night, Survivor. January 18th, 2041. Hello there, friend of Booketh. I don't know what that was. Trying to lighten the mood, I guess. Tonight's stay is definitely not as nice. A dilapidated building of some sort. It has many windows, and most of them are broken, which caused a large amount of rot and mold. It smells like Mr. Fuzzy Fuck farted. Ha! Huh. What a piece of shit that thing was. No point in stalling. Let's get into it before I no longer feel like it. Morning came, based on my interpretation of my watch's time-telling. Sometimes it's accurate, and sometimes it isn't. I can't be sure if that's because the watch is off, or if one of these things has fucked up the earth so bad that it's not working right. With my trembling hands on the ladder, 
I climbed back up to the steel circular cover. Each rung I climbed sent my thoughts and self-doubt spiraling. But once you make a decision, stick to it. The only thing worse than making the wrong decision is indecisiveness. Survivors don't have time to question every decision. Choose a path and see it out. I was worried that I was trapped in the tunnels at first as I couldn't move the metal cover. But after positioning my back against it in an awkward huddle with my feet on the ladder, it budged. Heavy and covered with debris, but it budged. I'd get it off and get out. Well, it was more than a little work. Probably close to 20 or 30 minutes of strenuous, back-breaking pushing. Once I was finally able to get the heavy metal plate slid over, blinding light flooded my senses, leaving me momentarily disoriented. When I'd first entered this place, it was inside a concrete building. But now, it looked as if it had been blasted apart by some world-ending weapon. Mr. Fuzzyfuck had ripped the building apart, trying to get me out of it. The only reason he didn't find where I went is that, luckily, light, debris, and rubble had covered my hatch, leaving it unnoticeable among the wreckage. I stood among the destruction for minutes, awestruck, feeling weak and powerless. How could anyone fight against something that can do that? I buried my thoughts about the impossible odds I was facing, that we all are facing, and struck out into the town. The place was almost entirely leveled. It seemed that after losing me to the tunnels, our friendly and reasonable acquaintance went on what can only be described as a rampage. Cautiously I walked through the destroyed town towards the building I'd initially fled. I was stopping every few seconds with a racing heart and cupped palms behind my ears to amplify my hearing. My mind kept screaming at me that the ravenous fuck was somewhere nearby, just waiting for me. It turns out he wasn't, but when there's even a possibility, nothing will put your mind at ease. I found his tracks later. He is heading south in search of more prey, no doubt. When I arrived at the apartment building I'd first fled from, everything in my body screamed at me to run. To get the hell out of this place and as far away as possible. When you stand in the aftermath of what these things can do, and you're out in the open, with nowhere that can shield you from their strength. Well, it's a bad fucking feeling. That's all I can say. I willed my limbs not to run and started to investigate the area. A small portion of the building was still standing on the far south end, but the rest was rubble. One thing that made my task easier was that Mr. Fuzzyfuck had torn apart the building with such force 
that pieces of it were spread dozens and even hundreds of feet instead of being one big pile of rubble. After a few minutes of searching, I found a dark green duffel bag that must have belonged to the woman, still filled with supplies. Part of me felt guilty pilfering the bag, one, because it belonged to the dead, and two, because it took time away from searching for a potentially fictitious child. Practicality wins out for survivors. If you have to get, try to make sure you're not getting with empty hands. I found almost a hundred rounds of 762 by 39 No rifle, but that's okay. My AK has been trusty and reliable for years, so I have no need to replace her. Although spare parts would be excellent. Also found some other assorted ammo. A handful of 9mm I can use, some 45, and a few loose 223 rounds. No use for those last two, but always great for trading. There were 16 assorted food cans without labels. I will have to open those to see if the contents are still edible. Some of that stuff keeps, most doesn't. I found a few other noteworthy things, but we'll talk about that at a different time, all of which went immediately in my pack. I made quick work of rifling and redistributing the dead woman's belongings. Survivors make haste, and dead men waste time. Then I resumed my search, employing a low bird whistle to draw out an alone and scared child, hopefully. This was a trick I had learned long ago. Birds had all but fled south pretty much everywhere. So for survivors, it's scarce to hear or see a bird of any kind. But most gods and their progenitors don't hunt or bother with small game. So bird calls aren't even something they consider. It's a relatively safe way to make a noise in an unsure situation. As if anything is safe anymore, or any situation is sure. In any case, the only thing that answered my call was ear-ringing silence. I did a few quick laps around the apartment building, absently flipping through debris as I walked before something caught my eye. It was the color that initially alerted me. A small strip of baby blue, just barely poking out from under some rubble. I stood still for a few moments, staring at the dissimilar vibrant patch, before clearing the surrounding debris. What I found confirmed my theory, and my fears. A small arm with a long-sleeved blue shirt led to an even smaller cold hand, still clutching a blood-stained teddy bear. There wasn't anything else. The child's arm was severed just above the elbow, and the rest of their body was nowhere to be seen 
in that fucking creature's gullet, no doubt. I was heartbroken, staring at the remains of that tiny human. None of us deserve this. Quietly, I dug a small grave and gently placed the child's arm along with the teddy bear, my tears, and another small piece of my soul. After that, I had no further desire to be anywhere near this place, so I resumed walking. Still, I walk. We have a long way to go, book friend. But I'll tell you this. Someday, I'll come back for you, Mr. Fuzzy Fuck. I will find a way to tear you the fuck apart. You better hope that I die, you god's damned piece of shit. Time to get some rest. Long day of walking tomorrow. Good night, survivor. <laughs>